coming at you from the EBITDA Growth System Studios, looking out at the beautiful Rocky Mountains. My name is Dave Gapkiewicz, and I'm with Mike Watkins, and we want to welcome you to the Making Business Profitable podcast. This podcast is brought to you by EBITDA Growth Systems, where we guarantee to double the value of your company within three years or give you your money back. Good day, Michael. How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. How you doing? I'm doing really good. I got a good friend of mine, Joe Emery, joining us today on the podcast and with the title "You Have to Sell to Scale." But uh, before we start, man, I got a I got a story about Joe and I. Back uh, just after 2010, Joe was just getting into outside sales, and uh, I think I was VP of sales at that time, and you're working with me, and. Uh, it's like, Joe, we need to hit a lot of places this week. We need to make this an epic week. And he's like, okay. I said, so we need to book some flights. He's like, what do you mean? Okay, let me give you a list. He's like, Dave, there's like 20 names on this list. I'm like, yeah. Yep, we got uh, like 20 airports to hit between Monday and Friday. 20 or 21. Um, number, you said it was like 21 stuck in your head, right, Joe? Yeah, that's many years ago, but yeah, 21 is what I found. So so walk me through a day. Walk me through one of the days. So we did this for five days. So I flew from Chicago. You flew from L.A. And I think we met in Denver is where we started, right? Yeah, and then we, I think we met halfway. Um, and then it's, I mean, it was quick. It's a blur. You so know, we, we, we land, get the car. Meet the customer, go back to the airport, go to the next city, land, get the car, <laughs> rinse, repeat, you know? You remember what time we were starting in the morning? I think oh. I was getting up like 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, because we were first, you know, we wanted the breakfast meeting, yeah. and then the lunch meeting, and then the dinner meeting. And then the drinks meeting. And then the we drinks had, meeting. <laughs> yeah, literally, we, we did four flights in one day. So yeah, that's crazy. It was, uh, it, but I'll tell you what, do you remember how much business we started spinning up doing that? Oh, yeah, we covered a lot of ground um, doing that. That was Pretty much the western half of the U.S., mm-hmm. we touched everybody. Yeah, it was. Uh, let me tell you, if you're looking to grow a business and you uh, and you don't like sleep, that's a great way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think our uh, small to medium-sized business owners out there do want to grow their business. They, I mean, they want to sleep as well. But the uh, the story that you tell and Joe tell about selling, um, I, th- I think it's really interesting that we. Most of the small and medium-sized businesses that we encounter don't sell. They don't have a plan to sell. Um, they they just hope that uh, tomorrow is just like today, and that their one to two to three um, clients are going to give them work. Well, I mean, and a lot of times uh, a business will have a customer that's repeat business, repeat business, repeat business, and the customer kind of hold that shop captive, and. It actually devalues the business only having one client or maybe one or two. So you need some diversification. And to do that, man, you got to get out there and hustle. No doubt about it. When we talk to uh, PE firms and companies that come to us to look for acquisition targets, quality of, earning, quality of earnings is one of the uh, criteria. Absolutely. And, uh, if you don't have a diverse customer base, your Q of E uh, plummets, and that, that really impacts the valuation of your company. That's right. So, uh, you know, Joe, let me ask you a question. Why should a shop even have a salesperson? I mean, what do you, should it always be the owner, or do you think uh, they should really employ a salesperson? 
they should they should I, I mean I've, I've seen it you know I've experienced it myself in my in my past where these you know to both of your points um, your previous points is the owner is trying to do everything and then what happens they get hooked on with a big customer it could be a big OEM mm -hmm. mid-size OEM um, and then that shop is being held captive by one program or one part number and it eats up their capacity and, and this owner is getting so busy with that, he doesn't have time to go talk to the NPI engineers and, and the R&D guys to see what's new coming down the pipeline. Um, so I, that needs to be delegated. The owner can't do everything. And, and you can't have all the relationships. One guy can only have so many relationships, That's right. right? That's right. And, you know, and, and in a lot of cases, I mean, you know, I'm not saying every salesperson is the answer because there's some really crappy salespeople out there, that's for sure. Um, but you know, th that's their whole career. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're bred to build relationships mm -hmm. and sustain those relationships, whether that's wine and dine or whether that's fishing trips. Um, these guys have deep relationships mm -hmm. with, you know, the decision makers that matter at your customer. Decision makers, their family. And it, I mean, the deeper the relationship, the, the better it is, right? That's right. Yeah, so it, it certainly ends up being an investment for that small and medium-sized business owner. Right. But uh, to and your point, you have crappy salespeople and they cost you money, but good salespeople don't cost you money. They pay for themselves and then some. Right, that's right. They'll pay for themselves. Um, you know, it depends on, you know, how, how strategic do you want to get, you know? Because uh, you could, you know, if you have a target customer that you've wanted to go after for years, you could, that salesperson, per the owner's directive, could literally camp on that guy for years developing the relationships that's that right. get in the door um, but you can task him with multiple customers to do that but finally when one pops the opportunity is here you're in and you know a good uh, friend of mine Josh Spargui uh, would hit us up for data mining all the time and Josh uh, sorry for slaughtering your last name uh, but uh, data mine data mine data mine Med device, med device, med device. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, but what happens? I mean, you've got a you've got a salesperson dedicated to doing that, right? And and he's got his foot in all these places. And finally, when one does hit, um, you know, that's a new customer you brought mm -hmm. on, and you you haven't had new customers in how many years? That's right. right? And you know, a lot of a lot of problems is is these shop owners think. A higher sales guy, I'm giving them all my customers, and I can't trust them, so they're going to take all my business and go somewhere else. You know, why would the customer move the legacy work away from you if they're happy with what you're doing for them? It's really a pain in the butt to move something, you got to revalidate it, you yep. got to move it, you got to transfer it, and you got all the startup costs and all the you know, the turning off the vendor that costs you got to carry extra inventory. It's really, if you're doing a good job, it's really hard to lose that work. Yep, if you, I mean, if you're you know, not gouging them on a margin. And you're you're providing good quality parts, and they're not you know you're not falling over you know on on bad quality. Why would they move it? It's too much of a headache. And it isn't about the cheaper price. I mean, you right. and I come from an industry that value is king, right? right? So if you deliver a good part, good solid quality part on time, price only matters so much, right? That's right, absolutely. So if I'm a small and medium sized business owner, and I'm going to entertain you know, what we're asking of them, you know, I'm going to entertain bringing on a salesperson. What's the most important thing, maybe top three things I need to keep in mind as I um, bring on this salesperson, you think, Joe? 
Well, you're going to have to vet the person out. You know, sales guys are slick talkers, you know, for sure. So it's their I, job. It's their job. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you you know what you want, and it's and they, the answer, you know, the simple answer is I want more sales. But, you know, digress into that a little bit. You want more sales how? Who? What market do you want to go after? What markets are you in today? What markets do you want to expand into? Um, you should, if you're interested in that market, you should know the OEMs that you want to go after. Um, and then vet that salesperson, you know, do, do you have contacts in these places now? Um, you know, and then I would say do an extremely thorough job at, at vetting this person. Well, that's, a, you know, that's an excellent point. You know, you think, I'm just gonna hire a sales guy and he's gonna get me some, well, you know, the sales guy's gotta know where do you want to sell into? Mm-hmm. What's your target market? Mm-hmm. And maybe he's the, the right guy or the right lady or not. Mm-hmm. So you have to do some work up front is what you're saying. You need to know where you're headed before you bring the salesperson on board. That's right. You don't, you don't just put an ad in the penny saver. That's right. And, and also when you come to vetting, I mean, you can go to customers. If you're in a certain industry, customers know the good sales guys. Absolutely. And a good sales guy has a book of references. Don't you ever hire a sales guy without checking four or five references? That's right. Because they're they wouldn't be a good salesperson if they can't talk well, and if they're talking to you really good and really nice, and you and you like, oh man, this is going to work out. Double check. It's just that due diligence is so valuable because you don't want to wind up with somebody that you don't agree with that, that doesn't line up with your mission, vision, and values of your company, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and I and I would suggest asking for customer references. Um, you know that you know that customer and he this he or she would have to go back to his customer and see if it's if they're comfortable giving a reference. Yeah, you can't hide from that, can to you? A competitor, no, you can't hide from that. And and even if you don't know the name and title of this person that he's given you as a reference, we have something called LinkedIn today and the internet, so we can cross reference if this person is a decision maker at the OEM or not. He could just be calling the janitor, right? So sure, sure. Janitor knows a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> from experience. <laughs> That's right. Hey, man, every once in a while, you got to reach out to who you can reach out to. <laughs> so, Mike, what's what's next? So, um, you know, I had a, I worked in D.C. and we had a, I worked for a large systems integrator, and my division was a systems integration division, and we lost the contract. We couldn't recompete it. It was set aside for uh, minority-owned businesses. So all of a sudden. You know, we, we were a 99% federal government contractor, and, and the biggest contract in my division went away. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I decided I was just going to sell commercial. And I went through four salespeople, man. <laughs> I mean, I'd say, hey, what are you doing? Uh, I'm just I'm learning who you guys are, and, you know, I'm getting comfortable. and like, you're fired. And then the next one, same thing, same thing. Finally, a guy says to me, hey, what's the story with you and your sales guy? And I was like, man, I'm, I'm on my third one. He's like, well, are you asking them the right question? And I said, well, what's the right question? He said, you should interview them. And then the last question you should ask is, hey, if you could do anything else, what would you be doing? And he said, if they said anything other than salesperson, don't hire them. Don't hire them. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting, and I did. I, I had a guy come in. He was pretty slick. You know, he looked great. You know, great suit, you know. Slick talker, and I wasn't feeling him. But at the end of the conversation, I said, Well, hey, if you weren't selling, what else would you be doing? He said, My great grandfather was a salesperson, <laughs> my grandfather was a salesperson, 
My dad was a salesperson. All I do is sales, man. I hired him, and this is no lie. I had to put him in his room, uh, in his office, after about six months and tell him I'd kill him if he, if he left the office. <laughs> Take him back and shoot him in the back of the head. That, ladies and gentlemen, that is a Mike Watkinism. So much work. We, we, he buried us. Oh, that's great. So, I mean, I think... Hey, what, what's his that? name? Can you, does he, <laughs> is he near Denver? <laughs> you know, interviewing the salesperson, because this small, medium-sized business owner has never, you know, um, interviewed a salesperson. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's, you know, as a salesperson, and, and really that's all I want to do is, is be involved in sales. Because um, it's it's what it's what I've done for so many years, sure. um, even before medical device uh, industry. You know, it, it was sales and real estate for many years. Sure. So, I th- I think that if you find that if you ask that question, which is a, a really unique question to ask, um, I think it's the right question because you know a good salesperson it, it's bred in their blood, right? And and they don't have any desire to do anything else. Sure, um, sure. You know and. And, and to find one that's specialized in whether it's machining for aerospace or machining for medical, machining um, for cars or automotive implements, whatever gun parts, it, it, you know anything. Um, if, if they're special, if you found that pedigree um, that is specialized in the industry, solid. I, I I'd pull the trigger on it. Well, after you check his references, absolutely. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> I have this sales guy on board. I'm feeling pretty good about him. Um, but I'm, you know, I don't want to just turn him loose. I, he's part of my organization, or she's part of my organization. So I do want to manage them. I don't want to micromanage them, but I do want to manage them. So, what kind of mistakes do salespeople, you know, they get out over their skis? How would I, how would I manage that salesperson that I brought on board? I want to give them the latitude to go sell. Yep. But I probably still want to have some. Some semblance of uh, check and balance there, right? Yeah, and and you know, there's things like CRMs, uh, you know, software today where they can log activity, and that, that's common in the yes, workplace. Yes, in, yes. In most, in, you know, but that's an investment, right? And I wouldn't tell you to go get. I wouldn't tell a small shop to go sometimes. get Salesforce, but you can get, but you can get HubSpot for like nothing, right? HubSpot's an easy one. Peanuts. I mean. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So. You know, a lot of that is busy work. I mean, it's desk work on part of the, you know, the sales person plus you because you know you're going to have to move deals along down the pipeline. Sure. Um, but it's effective because it gives the person visibility, it gives you visibility, it gives your ops guys visibility, yeah. and gives yeah. the estimating guy visibility. So <clears throat> I think that's important. Uh, but one thing, you know, you mentioned micromanagement. You know, keep in mind this salesperson; it's a professional. You know, they know what they're doing. You've checked their references. You've checked the background. You checked the experience. Um, you know, they've been in it for so many years. They've sold for these different shops. They're professional, and I'm not saying leave them alone and, and let them do their thing. You know, there do need to be checks and balances. But one thing that I would ask is, um, have me involved. You know, invite invite me to some of the meetings. Sure, sure. You know, and, and let's tag team a couple of them. That way, we know they know that we're on the same team. The customer does. Yeah, yeah. You know, not only that, but the owner the owner if it gives the owner some time to spend with the salesperson that understands how they act, what makes them tick. Yep. And the personalities and get that personality. Because if you get along, the owner gets along with the sales guy. It's super powerful. Right. And then it becomes like a dynamic duo yep. approach when you're at the conference. That's right. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think 
think that's a really, really big deal, what you, what you guys just said, because uh, and when I've had a business unit and I've had a salesperson that I just got along with, we could travel mm-hmm. together, we, you know, we could go into a meeting and I could finish his sentence and exactly. finish my sentence, right? Exactly. Um, I've always loved. I've always loved making those trips with sales guys and supporting them at the customer. Yeah. Because because if the customer gives you a bigger order, and you're in charge of the operation, you need to know what really is coming. Or if the sales guy is full of crap, you know, if the sales guy, oh yeah. man, we got fifteen million dollars in business. But if you're sitting in front of the customer, it's like I heard what he said too. Oh boy, I better look at that machine, or I better look right. at that investment now because right. this is coming. Right, and that's been valuable for me in the past too. I mean, having leadership at the meeting. Because they hear it from the horse's mouth. Right. You know, there's X million dollars we're looking to spend with you. And, uh, you know, I look at them and they got this look on their face. Oh, do we have the capacity for that? So, for right when you walk out the building, they're making a phone call to the machine. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And and the nice thing is, is like you said, there's a whole bunch of credibility. It gives a salesperson more credibility because, wow, the owner's with them, the president of the company. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these meetings, you know, the, the owner or, you know, the executive leadership don't take the time to, to make the trip out there to see the customer. Sure. And, and when you show up with, with leadership, um, you know, even, even the owner, I mean, that shows a lot that, you know, they, they gave a damn to come out to the meeting. Sure. That's how important it was to them. It speaks to everyone. Yeah. It speaks to the salesperson as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. They feel supported. Well, you know, the last, the last thing, uh, Dave, is how, you know, how does this small and medium-sized business owner pay for that salesperson until the flywheel effect hits, right? You know, Joe, um, what do you guys think about that, right? I mean, I mean, one of the things we do is, you know, our small and medium-sized business customers can't afford a CFO, yeah. but we give them a fraction of a CFO. Can a fractional approach work for sales? Yeah, so and that's, that's common in the industry now. Um, you know, in contract manufacturing sales, um, there are, there are a lot of fractional sales reps um, out there and available now. It's going to be up to you to vet them out. You know, if they're worth anything or not. Sure. But you know, that's that's part of the process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I love the idea, and it's a, it sounds like it's a new idea. This whole idea of fractional resources, but it's. It's the game that's on the calendar, man. And, you know, these small, medium-sized businesses need to start playing it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we decided to EGS added fractional services this year. And in two and a half weeks of adding fractional service, fractional services, we had one of our fractional client or fractional resources fill up in two weeks just by offering a good service. And I was amazed at how fast that goes. And, you know, that we'll keep building on that just to make sure that we stay in front of our customers, make sure we're hitting all the needs. But it's it's pretty amazing that uh, the fractional thing really works. But you need to be, as an owner, I would say you need to be a little bit patient. A salesperson, regardless whether it's fractional or full-time, is an investment. It's just like buying that stock. When you look, you look at the company, it's like, hey, the present's good, the product's good, really believe in the offering hey, I vetted this, I'm gonna invest in that. You don't expect to make all your money in a month, but you expect to start making money in three months, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, you're gonna get what you're pay, expecting to pay for. Um, if you wanna just go get anything, everything, because there are those sales reps out there and, and they suck, okay? Yeah. So all they wanna do is they wanna close a sale and sure. gain the commission, so they do the shotgun approach and they go get anything, everything. 
Yeah. And it may which, not be good for the shop. Which is absolutely disruptive for the shop. If they load you up with RFQs that are not relevant or that are not good fits for you, right. um, you know, that's shame on them and also shame on you for, for asking for that. I would say that's the number one mistake of salespeople yeah. is just go get anything and everything without aligning to a strategy and, and getting the right thing. Yeah, that, that absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, you know, a salesperson, if they're good, they're going to spend a little bit of time and it's not going to be months, you know, to your point, you're the, the guys that you parted with, Mike, that mm. you said, what are you doing? You know, it's been how long since you fire him. Um, but I'm saying, you know, this sales rep is going to go into the shop, learn the capabilities, look at the products you're currently making, you know, really understand where your current capacities right. are. Um, and then, Go out in the, into the field, sure. You sure. know, through his through his rolodex and say, okay, this type of work is over here. This type of work is over here. And you know, another thing that that salespeople make too, and this is probably where you're going to try to observe from that first meeting, customer meeting you have with them. Yeah. How much are they listening to the customer? Most of these sales guys go out there and they explode with this. We've been in business for. You know, X amount of years. We've got this. This how, how big our building is. This is how fast we are, and this is how many employees we got. And we've got the biggest and the best. And and here's the PowerPoint. The other suppliers have the same thing, and they sure, come in sure. with the same pitch. But is he? Is this he or she? Is he really understanding what the customer needs? You know, where their pain points are right mm -hmm. now. How can we service? You know, and uh, is it a good fit? And as an owner or a business leader, when I would go out with a salesperson. I would really pay attention to the bedside manner of the salesperson and with the customer and I would pay attention to the body language of the customer around the salesperson, whether they're comfortable, whether they're defensive, whether they're like, just get it over with, you know, and it was really neat to watch that unfold because it will tell you what's really happening as far as the salesperson and his approach. I mean, I was very aggressive as a salesperson. I just asked for, hey, love you, love the sale. What can we do to close this thing, right? And so I'd be more the technical guy because I wasn't as good at that. And we'd bring people in like Joe and, and, and they would have those great conversations. Hey, you have a problem. I have a guy that can fix your problem and provide a great solution. And, and it would work to these teams work out really well. So I think one of the things to remember just as a salesperson is be patient and do the right thing with the client, do the right thing with the, uh, with the business you're working in. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is good. I mean, I, I think one of the things that uh, Dave and I, in fact, we had a, a meeting this morning with one of our clients who's really starting to grow and we explained to them that, uh, you know, the difference between a 10 foot boat and a 20 foot boat isn't just 10 feet. Right, I mean, you, mm -hmm. it's a bigger boat. It's got mm -hmm. more systems on it. And then you go from a 20-foot boat to a 30-foot boat. Now you're fishing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, or a 40-foot boat. I mean, so um, when you're a $1 to $2 million company, you know, you're a 10 to 20-foot boat. But when you get to $3 million, $3.5 million, you know, you're, 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 you're approaching a 40-foot boat. Mm -hmm. And you need more stuff on a 40-foot boat. And certainly sales is one of those things that you need on that 40-foot on that boat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, As these companies grow, there's hurdles that they got to clear. You know, these fences they have to clear the 1 million, 3 million, 5 million, 10 million, and then you get up to like 25 and then 50 million, then 100 million. A $100 million company is completely different than a $500 million company. Sure. It's amazing these hurdles, but I mean, it's what those is are different management structures yeah. at every one of those hurdles. Yeah. And salespeople are so critical to, uh, to the success of this. So, I mean, I go back with Joe at least 12 years um, mm -hmm. 
it has been awesome to see you in your career grow. As far as all the salespeople I know in the industry that I've worked in the last 20 years, I consider you at the top and you're at the top of your game. Thanks, buddy. And, uh, <laughs> but it's, I really appreciate you coming and being with us today and uh, blessing Mike and I with your presence. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, really appreciate your opinion because you've worked with $5 million businesses and you work with $500 million businesses mm-hmm. in prominent roles. So you see this and we talk a lot about these smaller shops and man, they did, if they just knew this, mm-hmm. they'd be successful. And that's what Mike and I do. We dedicate our lives, uh, our working lives to try to make their life better by improving their business performance. Mm-hmm. And the better business does, the better the family of the owner does, right? Mm-hmm. So there's less stress, there's more smiles, different kind of stresses, right? Just like our client this morning, you know, hey, it's, I don't have to worry about money anymore, but man, I got to make sure I have the right people and make sure the right capacity and all this other stuff. So really appreciate you contributing. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I think I've got a good understanding of what your target audience is and your target customers are and, and you know, who's listening to this and who your clientele are. Um, you know, I've seen it from the past, man. These small businesses, the small shops, they, the owner thinks they can do it all. And I'm telling you, all the owners out there, you can't. I mean, you can do that to a certain level, right. and then right. you're going to start working 80, 90 hour weeks, and you're not going to see the wife and the kids, you know? Yeah, and what's that worth? It, it, it's priceless. Yeah. It's absolutely I mean, priceless. Well, life is made up of time. Yeah. And once it's gone, you can never get it back. Yeah. I mean, and the best thing you can do is be wise, make the money you have, make the money you can with that amount of time, and use your time wisely. And as an owner, you can't shoulder everything and be super successful. So take the better way, the better way, the higher quality of life out um, and and employ a sales guy if it's time. You know, it's time. But thanks again, Joe. Um, yeah. No, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I commend you both for what you're doing here. You're doing a, a great thing for, you know, many people who very much need this. So uh, well, hats off to you guys. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks. We love it. Right on, Dave. Right on, Mike. We at EBITDA Growth Systems do what we do to impact lives through improving business performance. To get access to our content or engage us in any way, you can reach our contact page or any of our information on our website at www.ebitagrowthsystems.com.